Welcome to Zichud Avsiman Rabbi Avram Goldai, and today we're in Masechus Ksubis, Dav Beis, the first parak of Besu Nises. This Masech has been generally sponsored as a schus v'achzachas atayra. I want to wish everybody continued at because we now begin the 15th Masechta in this Dav Yomi Machzor. So the three tops are going to focus on number one. The opening mission of the Masechta states, Besu Nises u Yom Ravi, u Almana Yom HaChamishi. A Besu is married on Wednesday, and an Almana is married on Thursday. It then explains why a Besu is married on a Wednesday. For twice a week, Bate Dinim are in session in the cities on Mondays and Thursdays. So that if he should have a claim regarding her status as a Basua, he would arise early in the morning to go to Basin. Rush explains that this is the Takana that the Rabbanan enacted, so they should get to Basin while he's still angry. We're concerned that if there's a delay, that he might be appeased, his anger will subside, and then he'll remain with her, even though there's a possibility that she had an adulterous relationship after they got engaged, in which case she would be forbidden to him. Going to Basin will publicize the matter, which might result in Adim stepping forward that she is guilty. Pointing to review to said in the name of Shmuel, why did the Rabbans say that a Basul is married on Wednesday and not on Sunday as well, when the husband could also go early to Basin on Monday? The Chamim were hardworking in seeing to the well-being of Jewish women, that the future husband will busy himself preparing for the Suda for three consecutive days, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then marry her on Wednesday. Now that we've learned the reason of Shaktu, that the Chamim were hardworking for the welfare of the Jewish woman and required the wedding to take place on Wednesday, it follows that when a later Mishnah stated, if the designated time to get married had arrived, and they still did not get married, they, referring to the Kalas, eat of their husband's food and truma. That if the designated time arrived on a Sunday, since a husband is not able to marry or do the Takana, he does not have to provide with food until Wednesday. And point with you, Rav Yosef inferred from the above discussion that if the Chasun or Kal became ill, or she began to menstruate, and the wedding had to be postponed due to circumstances beyond the Chasun's control, then he would not need to provide her with food. Rava said, Regarding Gitten, this is not so. Rush explains that if one gave his wife a get, on condition that it would only be a get if he failed to arrive home by a certain date, and then he failed to do so due to circumstances beyond his control, the get is valid, and he cannot say he was an onus. The Gemara says that apparently Rava holds ain't onus begitten and seeks to know where he derived this. The Gemara concludes that Rava based it on his own svor. Really, the get is not valid, but the Rabban were matakin that it is valid mishum snuos or mishum prusos, out of concern for modest woman and brazen woman. It was out of concern for snuos, for if it was not a valid get, if the husband was an onus, then there will be cases where he was not an onus, but his snuos wife will assume that he was and will remain an aguna. And it was out of concern for Prutzos, for if he was an onus and the get was not valid, she will say that he was not an onus, the get is valid, and then will go marry someone else. When it's discovered that he was an onus, the get will be battle, and her children from her new husband will be mamzerim. So once again, the three points are number one. The opening mission of the Masechta states, A basu is married on Wednesday, and an almana is married on Thursday. It then explains why a basu is married on a Wednesday. For twice a week, Bate Dinim are in session in the cities on Mondays and Thursdays. So that if he should have a claim regarding her status as a Basua, he would arise early in the morning to go to Basin. Rush explains that this is the Takana that the Rabbanan enacted, so they should get to Basin while he's still angry. We're concerned that if there's a delay, then he might be appeased, his anger will subside, and then he'll remain with her, even though there's a possibility that she had an adulterous relationship after they got engaged, in which case she would be forbidden to him. 
going to base him will publicize the matter, which might result in Adim stepping forward that she is guilty. Pointing to review to said in the name of Shmuel, why did the rabbinic say that a basul is married on Wednesday and not on Sunday as well, when the husband could also go early to basin on Monday? The Chamin were hardworking in seeing to the well-being of Jewish women, that the future husband will busy himself preparing for the Suda for three consecutive days, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then marry her on Wednesday. Now that we've learned the reason of Shaktu, that the Chamin were hardworking for the welfare of the Jewish woman and required the wedding to take place on Wednesday, it follows that when a later Mishnah stated, man v'onisu, if the designated time to get married had arrived, and they still did not get married, they, referring to the Kalas, eat of their husband's food and truma. That if the designated time arrived on a Sunday, since a husband is not able to marry or do the Takana, he does not have to provide with food until Wednesday. And point with you, Rav Yosef inferred from the above discussion that if the Chasun or Kal became ill, or she began to menstruate, and the wedding had to be postponed due to circumstances beyond the husband's control, then he would not need to provide her with food. Rava said, Regarding gitten, this is not so. Rush explains that if one gave his wife a get, on condition that it would only be a get if he failed to arrive home by a certain date, and then he failed to do so due to circumstances beyond his control, the get is valid, and he cannot say he was an onus. The Gemara says that apparently Rava holds ain onus begitten and seeks to know where he derived this. The Gemara concludes that Rava based it on his own svor. Really, the get is not valid, but the Rabban were matakin that it is valid mishum snuos or mishum prusos, out of concern for modest woman and brazen woman. It was out of concern for snuos, for if it was not a valid get, if the husband was an onus, then there will be cases where he was not an onus, but his snuos wife will assume that he was and will remain an aguna. And it was out of concern for Prutzos, for if he was an onus and the get was not valid, she will say that he was not an onus, the get is valid, and then will go marry someone else. When it's discovered that he was an onus, the get will be battle, and her children from her new husband will be mamzeri. All right, so now we go to our simmer dot base, and our standard simon is a bias, a house. A house, so here goes. This special Wednesday night chasna house, specializing in basul marriages, located right next to a base, then let chasan come and prepare the su'uda three days in advance and reminding them while Onsen can get in the way of a wedding day, that ain't onus begitten. Once again, it's slow motion. This special Wednesday night chasna house, house, that must be more enough, base, bias. This special Wednesday night chasna house, specializing in basula marriages, located right next to a base stand, which reminds us, the opening mission of the Masechta states, Basula nisus yom revi, ulamana yom chamishi, a basula is married on Wednesday, and an almana is married on Thursday. It then explains why a basula is married on a Wednesday. Shepamai b'shabbos batidin yoshim ba'arayos v'yom hasheni v'yom chamishi. But twice a week, batidinim are in session on Mondays and Thursdays, shima yotanis v'sumi and mashkama basin, so that if he should have a claim regarding her status as a basula, he would arise early in the morning to go to basin. Rashi explains that this is a takana that the Rabbanan enacted so that he should get the basin while he's still angry. So, this special Wednesday night chasna house, specializing in basula marriages, located right next to a basin, let chasanim come and prepare the suda three days in advance, which reminds us, Review said in the name of Shmuel, why did the Rabbanan say that a basula is married on Wednesday and not on Sunday as well, when the husband could also go early to basin on Monday? The Chamin were hardworking and seeing to the well-being of Jewish women that the future husband busy himself preparing for the Suda for three consecutive days, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then marry her on Wednesday. So, the special Wednesday night Chasna house specializing in Basula marriages, located right next to a based in let Chasanim come and prepare the Suda three days in advance, and reminded them while Onsin can get in the way of a wedding date that 
Ein onus begitten, which reminds us, Rabbi Yosef inferred that if a chassan or call became ill, or she began to menstruate, and the wedding had to be postponed due to circumstances beyond the chassan's control, then he would not need to provide her with food. Rabbi said, Regarding gitten, this is not so. Rush explains that if one gave his wife a get on condition, there would only be a get if he failed to arrive at home by a certain date, and then he failed to do so due to circumstances beyond his control, the get is valid, and he cannot say he was an onus. The Gemara says that apparently Rabbi holds that ain't onus begitten, and seeks to know where he derived this. So once again, this special Wednesday night chasna house, specializing in basula marriages, located right next to a basin, let chasan and kamer prepare the suda three days in advance, and reminded them while onsin can get in the way of a wedding date that ain't onus begitten. All right, now it's time for four blah blah chazara. Daf kufiud test. So the simmer daf kufiud test is a kite. So here goes. The woman whose husband died overseas and decided to fly a kite. A kite? That must be one daf kufiud test. The woman whose husband died overseas and decided to fly a kite while she was waiting to hear if her tsar was pregnant, which reminds us, the mission and state of Ha'isha Shahak Baal of Tsarasal a woman whose husband and Sarah went overseas and people came and said to her, your husband died, she can't marry a stranger nor be taken in Yibo until she determines whether her tsar is pregnant. The rest, why she may not marry a stranger. If the concern is that her tsar may not be pregnant so that she's high to be taken in Yibo, I could say, Follow the majority of women, and the majority of women do conceive and give birth. Therefore, it's safe to assume that Sarah gave birth to a viable child overseas, and she's exempt from Yibum and permitted to a stranger. The Gemara says the mission is going according to Rabbi Mer, the Chayish Miyuta, who's concerned for the minority. But according to the Rabban, who go according to the majority, the widow would be permitted to a stranger. So, the woman whose husband died overseas and decided to fly a kite, while she was waiting to hear if her sorrow was pregnant, was embarrassed when it flew over nine kosher stores and one trade one, and landed on a piece of meat, which reminds us. The Gemara suggests that the Mishnah could even be in accordance with the Rabbanan. For when did they go after the robe? It's only in a case of Ruba de Esakaman, a robe that is before us, like the cases of nine stores, or Sanhedrin, the case of nine stores, is when meat is found in the street, and it's not known whether it comes from one of nine stores that sells kosher meat, or from the one store that sells treif. But in both cases, the majorities are before us, and we can rule the meat is kosher, and the person is acquitted. But in a case where the majority is not before us, such as in our case, where the majority is based on the premise that most women in the world conceive and give birth, the Rabban do not fall the majority. The Gemara rejects is proving that the Rabban go with Rove even when the majority is not before us. So, the woman whose husband died overseas and decided to fly a kite while she was waiting to hear if her tsar was pregnant was embarrassed when it flew over nine kosher stores and one trade one and landed on a piece of meat right in between the wives of two brothers who claimed their husbands had passed away. Which reminds us, the next mission states that if the wives of two brothers returned from overseas and this one says, my husband died and this one says, my husband died, this one is prohibited to marry a stranger on account of that one's husband and that one is prohibited to marry a stranger on account of this one's husband. Rashi explains that each woman is prohibited for perhaps each brother-in-law is alive and they are chayven yibum. They cannot rely on each other's testimony since we learn in the mission that one of the women who is not believed to give testimony that another one's husband has died is her yibimta, her brother-in-law's wife. Daf Kuvchaf, so the simmer Daf Kuvchaf is a cook. So here goes. The cook, the cook, that must be learned Daf Kuvchaf. The cook at the Wild Safari restaurant who identified the corpse as one of the waiters based on his face, forehead, and nose, which reminds us, it was taught in a brice of witnesses only see a corpse's forehead without the form of a face or only the form of the face without the forehead. They may not testify until both are seen together with the nose. 
So the cook of the wild safari restaurant who identified the corpse as one of the waiters based on his face, forehead, and nose discovered he had the same birthday and same mole as the victim, which reminds us, Rubber rejected a biased interpretation of a machokas and said that everyone agrees that simanim are valvim in the rice, but here in the case of the mole, they disagree bashuma mitsuya b'mengilo with a mole, which is commonly found in the same part of the body as one's bengilo, which Rashi explains as someone born at the same hour and therefore has the same muzzle. The Rabbanon hold that a mole is commonly found on a Bengila and therefore is not a valid simon to identify the corpse. And Rabbi Yezid ben Mahabai holds a mole is not commonly found. Digmore brings alternative versions of Rava's explanation. So the cook of the wild safari restaurant who identified the corpse as one of the waiters based on his face, forehead, and nose discovered he had the same birthday and same mole as the victim who had been tragically attacked in his vital organs by a wild beast. Which reminds us, the mission stated, They may not testify that a man is dead until they see that his soul is departed, even though they saw him suffering from being hacked, hanging from a gallows, or devoured by a wild beast. Reviewed a said in the name of Shemur the wild beast, they taught this only when the animal is seen eating from an area in the body from which his soul does not depart, referring to non-vital organs or limbs. But from a place where the soul departs, meaning the vital organs, such as the brain, heart, or intestines, they may testify. So the similar is a cocoa bean farmer. So here goes. When Pedro the cocoa bean farmer, cocoa bean farmer, that must mean we're on Duff when Pedro the cocoa bean farmer fell into the pool of cave water, which reminds us, the next mission states, if a man fell into water and was not seen to come up, whether the water has an end or the water has no end, his wife is forbidden to marry, for he still may be alive. Abai defines water that has an end as any body of water small enough that one stands in one place and can see its four sides. Rashi gives the example of one who sees someone fall into a pool of water in a cave where he can see all its banks. So when Pedro, the cocoa bean farmer, fell into the pool of cave water, he grabbed onto a duff and bowed his head whenever a wave came. Which reminds me when Megamil related what Rabbi Kiva said to him in explaining how he was saved from a sinking ship. When Gamaliel said, he said to me, Duff shall in these dominantly. There was a duff, a board from the ship that came before me, and I grabbed onto it. And before every wave that came upon me, I bowed my head and it passed over me. The Bryson continues that if Rashaim come upon a person, let him bow his head before them and the danger will pass. Rashi explains that he should restrain himself and not antagonize them. So, when Pedro, the cocoa bean farmer, fell into the pool of cave water, he grabbed onto a duff and bowed his head whenever a wave came while watching off in the distance the young girl being pulled out of the water by an elderly man with a ram. Which reminds us, Gamora relates the story of Rebekina Mendoza davening for the daughter of Nechunya Chofer Shichin, Nechunya the ditch digger, who fell into a cistern, and after davening for her, she emerged. They said to Rebekina Mendoza that he was a navi, to which he responded that he was not. Rather, he reasoned, Davrisha, Tzadik Mesasik Bo, Yechashu Bozaro, is it possible that something that Tzadik occupies himself with the seabor, his child should stumble upon it? The Gamora addresses how then did Nechunya's son Die of thirst. Daf kuf chav base. So the similar daf kuf chav base is corn on the cob. So here goes. After a bus call on the mountain was heard that said, Kivi, the corn on the cob salesman is dead. Corn on the cob? That must move on daf kuf chav base. After a bus call on the mountain was heard that said, Kivi, the corn on the cob salesman is dead. Which reminds us, the next mission states regarding testifying to a man's death to permit his wife to remarry, Masin Alpi Baskol. We permit a woman to remarry based on a Baskol without the person making the statement being seen. There was an incident where someone stood on top of a mountaintop and proclaimed, Ish pony bin pony, mamakum pony mace. Pony bin pony from such and such a place died. They went up and found no one there, yet the rabbinum permitted the wife to remarry. 
When the Gemara asks why she was permitted to remarry, when perhaps the voice was that of a shade, a demon, it concludes that they saw the shadow of the shadow. And Rabbi Hanin related that Jonas and the shade said that demons do not have shadows of shadows. So after a bus call on the mountain was heard that said, Kiwi the corn on the cob salesman is dead. The witnesses who met up with a woman innkeeper who said she had buried him, and here was his butter's knife and dental floss, which reminds us the next mission teaches that Rabbi Kiva originally held that we do not permit a woman to remarry based on the testimony of a woman, slave, or shivcha. The final mission of the Masech that brings the challenge was brought to Rabbi Kiva based on the incident where the woman innkeeper was believed that a guest from a group of Levim had died since she brought the Levi's staff, pouch, and safer Torah that he had. The Gemara clarifies that the Pundakis was an idolater, and she was speaking offhandedly, and that's why she was believed. When the Gemara challenges this, since they had asked her where her friend was, it answers that as soon as she saw him, she started to cry, which is what prompted them to ask where he was. So after a bus call on the mountain was heard that said, Kiwi the corn and the cob salesman, is dead. The witnesses who met up with the woman innkeeper who said she had buried him, and here was his butter knife and dental floss, were not cross-examined with drishas and chakiras because his wife was collecting her ksuba. Which reminds us, it was taught in a brisa, ain't botkin edin nashim bedrisha v'chakir. We do not check witnesses who testify for women that their husbands died with cross-examination and questioning according to Rebekiva. But Rabbi Tarfin says, botkin, we do check them, even though under Torah law, both monetary and capital cases get Drisha V'chakira. For the Pasuk states, Mishpat there should be one law for you. The reason the Rabban said the witnesses for monetary cases do not get checked is so you'll not close the door in the face of borrowers. The Kiva holds that since in the case of testifying that a woman's husband died, there's a collection of the Ksuba, it's like a monetary case. Whereas the retirement holds that since we're permitting the woman to marry someone else, it's similar to Din and Nefashos. And Rush explains that it's because a man who has relations with a married woman gets chenek, strangulation. All right, so that concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Ram Golden Zichu, wishing you a great day and great learning.